Hello, everyone. Welcome to Not My Circle, where I have conversations with people that are not in my circle. Today, I am talking to Doug, an ex-gangster turned evangelical. I loved hearing his story. I loved hearing about his turning point and what made him put down the gangster life and pick up the life that's all about God. So I hope you guys are as curious of a person as I am, because if you are, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Let's go. So Doug, what did you eat for breakfast today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not not the best at breakfast. I, okay. had, some, I had lunch for breakfast, actually. Yeah, I had some uh, meatball soup that my, my beautiful wife made, and it was really good. Nice. So are you like doing intermittent fasting, or did you just not have time because you're busy, or why did you skip breakfast? <sighs> yeah, I just, I, I, I just didn't have time. I just get going. I'm not the best at breakfast. When the, when the gyms are open, I uh, normally do a protein shake in the morning, but, you know, I'm not working out right now. It'll just gain me a bunch of weight. So, Okay. Um, so you're a gangster turned evangelical. Let's talk about it. What is that? How long were you a gangster? Where were you a gangster in? And are you just no longer a gangster once you're an evangelical? How does this all work? Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I joined the gang when I was, uh, you know, younger, my, my like, like 13 to 15 and that kind of range there. And, um, you know, I think I uh, really stopped when I, uh, yeah, when I became a Christian. And I don't think uh, I ever said like, oh, I'm a Christian, so I can't be a gangster anymore. Sorry, guys, I'm out here or anything like that. I think naturally me and my friends just stopped hanging around with each other. You know, um, they... Uh, are into different things than I'm into. And, uh, you know, I wanted to go to church. They wanted to like drink and party. And I think uh, our lifestyles just didn't match up anyway, uh, anymore. And so we kind of just drifted apart. What was the turning point for you? Like, when did you, what, did you grow up with a lot of religion in your house? Or was there a moment when you were gangbanging and you thought, I don't want to do this anymore? Was there like a specific thing or was it sort of a buildup of a lot of little moments? Yeah, definitely a buildup. Um, you know, my, my story is, is unique because I kind of have two, uh, two instances is when I, I became a Christian when I was 15, actually in juvenile hall. And so then I, I backslid. I don't know if you're familiar with, I'm speaking Christianese, but I, I kind of walked away from that life when I was about, you know, 17, 18. And then I came back later on in my early 30s. And so I kind of have like two stories of, 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 of coming to know God. So my first uh, instance was uh, I didn't grow up with any religion in my household, really. I mean, we were Christians. Like if you were to ask what our religion was, and I had marked Christian, but uh, I, we, didn't, we didn't go to church. I, I went when I was like five years old, I think, for like a short period of time and I don't remember anything. I mean, I just remember waking up early on a Sunday morning. I'm like, you guys are crazy. I don't want to do this. And just crying and oh, I don't want to go and, and trying, you know, but um, other than that, uh, I didn't, I didn't really know anything. And so when I started going to juvenile hall, that's when I really started going to church because, um, you know, that was a way to see friends in the institution who were in other areas that you weren't. So everyone knew you went to church to see your friends, to pass on messages, to get messages and all that stuff. And so um, while I was there sitting there for an hour, I would start hearing and, and hearing the stories about Jesus and, and, and the Bible and, and all these different things. But, um, you know, 
it, it was really not something I was interested in. And then, so what was the second time, like the time that really stuck with you, stuck with you in your thirties? What was that turning point? Like, Did, w- w- I feel like a lot of times for me in my life, I have to hit a real low to go into a good, you know, direction where I'm turning my life around. I feel like my life has always kind of been a bit of a roller coaster ride sometimes, even with the, with something small. But was there another turning point with you? You said in your 30s when you decided to find a good relationship with God again? Yeah, I mean, I, I hit a major depression, <laughs> hit rock bottom. I had, uh, you know, I, I lost my job. I was starting up a new business. Uh, marriage was not going too well and just, you know, I was, I was drinking a lot. I was a, I was smoking weed. I was just, um, you know, just was not happy with my life at all. And, uh, yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. There was just a surrender point where it's like, God, like I'll do anything. Just help me please. And like he did like restored my, my marriage, restored everything to me. Like life just began at that point. Like that was like the beginning of my life. I feel, you know, like, uh, this new life at least. And, um, that, that definitely had a lot to do with it, but we had been going to church for a lot of years. And I, I basically just kind of went for the wife and kids, but I would hear, I was sitting in there and, uh, man, my pastor did not hold back. I mean, he would preach, you know, from the Bible, everything. And, and the scriptures just always speak to me. And, I knew God was calling me. I knew I needed to follow him, but I just was so stubborn. I so wanted to do all these other things I was doing. I wanted to be a rap star. I wanted to party. I wanted to, you know, have fun. That was my whole life since I was a little kid. It was just a little a little partier, you know, just running around, always trying to find the funnest thing I can get into. What pranks can I get into? What, you know, and... To me, uh, this life of following God just kind of seemed like I was misled to think it was like a boring life. Just all right, settle down now. You're older now. Be a good, good, good man for your wife and kids, and just do nothing. And and um, you know, I found out it was the opposite. What is a gangster? <laughs> you know, well, first of all, I mean, it's, it's someone who's in a gang. You know, I mean, and, and you just you have all kinds of different kind of people, you know, but I think your typical gangster is, you know, for me, when I was in it, uh, at least were my teenage years. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just hanging out with friends and doing drugs and doing crime, you know, uh, and just, just looking to find whatever trouble we can get into. Um, it was just maximum satisfaction, however we can satisfy ourselves the most, you know, with, with partying, with drugs, with girls, with, you know, fighting enemies, um, whatever, uh, whatever we can get into each day. Is it hard to leave a gang? I mean, I hear stories, you know, like you can't leave and cause maybe you know too much about the gangster lifestyle, or maybe you've got too much Intel on somebody else and you kind of can't leave, but was, was the process of leaving a gang difficult? It is. Yeah, it is. I mean, because your your whole life is wrapped up in it. You know, your whole life is wrapped up in it and your protection, your friends, your, you know, your, your, your access to whatever you want, everything, your whole life is wrapped up in it. So it's, yeah, it's very hard. It's, 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 you know, that's why a lot of people don't do it. Um, for me, um, you know, I always saw Jesus as a way out of the game, you know, um, that was introduced to me by uh, a lot of people that were out 
a lot of Christians that were out specifically targeting gangsters. So there was a group of Christians, a church that specifically targeted gangsters with like books and plays and like going out into the streets and, and telling people there's a way out. And, um, you know, there's different gangs, different levels of gangs and all that stuff. But my particular gang, my role in it was just kind of, you know, an average role. I mean, it wasn't like I was in the mob or anything, you know, um, but uh, yeah, if you got out, you know, you get jumped, you know, sometimes uh, there's rare cases. Yeah, you can even get killed, you know, and so uh, it wasn't anything to take lightly. But, um, you know, I think there was a common respect for people who wanted to follow God. That was kind of uh, you got a pass for that usually. Like if, if they saw that you were serious about it, like you were really living that life, like you really left and you weren't like half stepping it, usually they would leave you alone. And yeah, back to Shireen's question too. What does it mean to be evangelical? I guess my thought was that it was like a born again, but I know nothing. So yeah. I'd love to hear in your words what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, evangelical is, is, is it, it's kind of a broad term um, to just represent a Christian. But even in the Christian world, though, they have different people with different beliefs. And so it's a way for people to come together and say, like, really narrow it down. You know, the Bible's it's like over 1,100 pages, depending on, you know, the translation. And so there's people who interpret the Bible different. And so evangelicals typically will have a long list of things, let's say of like 75 things where they say, look, this is what it boils down to. This is our core doctrine. Like, if you believe this, like, we're on the same page. If you don't, then like, we're not on the same page. Like you're, you're, you're over, you're into something else, you know, because if you don't have this right, then you don't have anything right. And so a lot of us, uh, you know, will agree to a certain core doctrine of the Bible, such as like the deity of Jesus or, you know, the Bible being the true word of God and just all these major things that we all agree on. And so to become an evangelical, first of all, is, is, is to become a Christian. And you said born again, that yeah. is... You know, that's uh, when you're born again, you're, you're a Christian. You have new life in Jesus. It's a spiritual rebirth. Okay. Okay. So you are born again then? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Um, what are, what would you say some common misconceptions are about going from gangster to born again? Like what do people typically think of when they think of former gangbanger turned born again? Anything that you can think of? Yeah, yeah, no, um, you know, I think a lot of people will think that, um, you know, this person is just trying to do better in life, you know, like, they're tired of going to jail, they're tired of, of you know, losing jobs or tired of doing crime or whatever the case is, being addicted to drugs. And so this, this life is, that's why they're doing it, because they, they want to get their life better. Well, that could be true in one sense. Um, on the other hand, I mean, becoming a Christian means that you're like you're saved from eternal punishment, too. And you have an eternal reward, the gift of eternal life You go to heaven. And so I would say that far outweighs any you know better life here on Earth, you know, and it's not only about just going to heaven and not going to hell, but it's also having this personal relationship with Jesus, like your creator. And it is, uh, it, it is so, you know, it, un indescribable, you know, um, um, 
you you have uh, this new understanding that you never had before. Your eyes are open. You hear the term, you know, I was blind, but now I see. I mean, that's real. Like you really, you really see and you wake up to so much around you and you just have this good understanding on the purpose of life and meaning and everything all just makes sense now. And it's, uh, it's, it's something that I wish for everyone. So you go around speaking, right? This is what, uh, it's what my brother said. Yeah. You, yes. you speak. Okay. So what, what is that like? Is that sort of like a recruitment thing or is a motivational or what's, what does your life kind of look like now? Pre pre COVID life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a little of everything. Um, I really got a heart for just the down and out, just the, 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 you know, the gangs, the people who grew up with just messed up families. So like my dad was a heroin addict, he's a drug addict. And I saw that just destroy my family. And I just know how it is to, to have no one to guide you. And so I really, you know, have a, a heart for the lost where your normal people don't want anything to do with. Right. You know, those people are just, they're lost. You know, you get around them, they're going to steal from you. They're going to burn you. They're just too much. I'm not willing to pay that cost. I'm going to focus on all these good kids over here and, you know, the masses. And so um, I'll, I'll go to juvenile hall institutions sometimes. Or, um, you know, sometimes I'll share in the church services. I'll share, uh, you know, how, how I became a Christian. And, and there's other times where I'll just do general talks. Like I did one on healthy habits trying to kind of just get them to learn how to live a healthy life when they get out without drugs and how to plan their day, how to like start working out and start doing things to fill their time in positive ways. So what does your future look like? What are you hoping to do is just keep spreading the word and trying to help more delinquent youth find a good path? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as a Christian, I'm, I'm to make disciples. So Jesus told his, uh, he said, go make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And so, you know, a disciple in that sense is he had 12 guys. Well, he had a bunch of people he's pouring into, but he had his main, like 12 disciples that he was just pouring into teaching them content, walking with a lot of hands-on training, just talking to them, doing life with them. And uh, to me, that that's making a disciple right there. And so that is my goal is just to find as many people as I can to disciple them uh, the way that, that I was discipled. And ultimately, the person who discipled me was discipled by someone who would goes all back. You could trace it all back to Jesus. And so that's the ultimate goal is make disciples. I mean, you made the ultimate shift, right? You said you grew up with a dad who is a heroin addict and you were in a gang at 13. And now you have you have kids and you have a happy marriage and you're doing your public speaking. I mean, that's the ultimate comeback story. Um, uh, yeah. Is there anything you yeah. think that's important from your story? I mean, I know there's probably so many layers to your story, but is there anything else that you want to share that I maybe missed? Yeah. You know, I'd say that, that my life is a miracle. It's a straight up miracle. I mean, the odds of me being where I am today, like, you know, happily married kids, homeowner, like doing all this stuff out of jail are like one in, I don't know, it'd probably be in the billions, you know, um, growing up with, with the childhood that I had. And I, I went to juvenile hall the first time when I was 13, you know, maybe, maybe two months after my 13th birthday. So I was just barely turned 13 and then going to California Youth Authority and being involved in gangs and crime and all the stuff I was in. Uh, my, my life is a straight up miracle and, um, there's no way that that would have happened without God. 
I love that. You gave me chills when you were talking. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> so how is your relationship? Was your family all involved in gangs when you were growing up too? Was it some, like, I know you said your dad was in, was a heroin addict, but was he also a gangster? No, no, he wasn't. Um, but, uh, I mean, some of my mom's like family was, but that didn't, you know, I, I, I started hanging out with gangs mainly because I was attracted to it. I was attracted to the power. I was attracted to the lifestyle. My sister was started dating a gangster. And so I started kind of hanging out with some of them. And then, uh, one of my friend's older brothers was in a gang and he was going to get in it. I'm like, I'm going to get in too. And so that it didn't come from family. But uh, I think it just came from from all of us having messed up backgrounds. I mean, uh, most of the people that uh, you know we, we that I hung out with were just other people like me. Like no one else is allowed to hang out with them. So we're all just you know no one's allowed to hang out with us except us. We all kind of banded together and we all just uh, just running around like a little Tasmanian devils around town, just tearing it up. And that was in LA, right? Or like Orange County? Orange County, yeah. 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 There was a time where, you know, I wanted to really go far in the gang world, but I think I started noticing, like I started watching a lot of like monster movies and looking at OGs and older people. And I started seeing, man, is that, is that really what I want? You know, like most of these guys don't seem like they make it long or, or they go to prison for all these years. Like, uh, you know, I, at some point I started feeling like that's not the life that I wanted, but you felt that you were in too deep, that there was no way out, you know, that there was no way out. And, um, it was, uh, like I said, it was a miracle. Um, it was not easy. You know, I, it was so long ago that I can talk about it easily now, but the reality is it was a really dark time of my life. The humiliation was just beyond anything I could even, you know, explain. I mean, that's like a part of my life. Like I don't even go to, there's just big dark cloud over it, you know? Uh, and then you lose all your protection too immediately. And I was in jail. I was in a juvenile prison at the time and I started, you know, I, I say I came out. I was kind of like a secret Christian for a while. Like <laughs> I was, you know, I was kind of secretly seeking God and praying and reading my Bible and really growing in my faith. But on the outside, I was still kind of putting up this, you know, facade or whatever, doing what I needed to do to survive. And uh, when I came out and started sharing, um, it was hard. Like I said, the humiliation was was it was bad. You know, I got, you know, just all kinds of things happen, you know, um, made fun of all the time. All of a sudden I had no friends and it, it was just really bad. But, uh, you mean you, you had no friends because you were a Christian? Yes. And like you're the, some of the gangsters were making fun of you because of that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them all just turned on me like, Hey, you know, you're, you're no longer like a part of our group. You no longer have our protection. I, it was, it was bad. You know I mean? Oh, wow. I don't even share about that a lot with a lot of people, but it was, it was really hard. Um, and for a while it felt like it was just me and God alone. Like I was in a jungle <laughs> just by myself, you know? And, uh, but by the grace of God, I was protected. You know, I, a lot of bad things happen to people. They, they get all their stuff stolen. They get jumped. They get beat up. Some get assaulted, all these things. Um, none of that really happened to me. You know, I, why? <laughs> I don't still don't even know why till this day. It was a miracle. My only explanation is God. Um, but I said, you know, the humiliation was bad, though. I got made fun of a lot. Um, 
losing all my friends at, you know, 16 years old. I mean, that's your life, your friends. Of course. And so it was really bad, but it got better. It got better after a couple months for sure. So as an adult, how long has it been since you have been a man of God? Like as an, as an adult, like, and separate from the gang. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I naturally kind of separated from the gang just by age. As I grew older, mm-hmm. a lot of people started dying, going to prison. It kind of died out, you know, and a lot of people just lost contact. But uh, I think I still had a connection to the gang life, you know, and I would say probably about eight years ago, there was a major change. I'm talking about like I started getting sober. I really started separating from people. Uh, so it's been about a good year since just, you know, this, this new life. So you got sober and found God kind of at the same time. Yeah. Was it like one day cold Turkey, like fuck all this other shit I'm done. And now I'm, I'm a new man. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, it was, uh, I, I was addicted, you know, it was what I did all day, every day. Right. And so, uh, alcohol, mainly, mainly weed, mainly smoking weed. And I smoked cigarettes too. You know, that was like my main thing, but that I would drink too. So those, between those three things, I think, um, I held on to smoking for a little bit. Took me a while. Took me like, I don't even know, maybe like a good year to quit smoking. Uh, but I think with alcohol and weed, it was, uh, just a, a bunch of times of saying, I'm going to do it. I quit. And then I quit for a week and then I, I, I'd go back. Then I quit for three months and then I go back and then I quit for six months and then I'd mess up and then I quit again. At, at some point I just finally quit for good on all of them. And so that, that's been a long time. I felt like I was trying to lean into friends or lean into family, like all these different people. And I felt like everyone was just like not taking me serious or failing me, you know? I mean, now I don't think that way. I think they're just, you know, I'm, I'm not their responsibility, but at the time, you know, being in the depression, I'm like, help, please. Everyone trying to lean into people. And it seemed like everyone was just like, man, get it together, you know? And, um, there was a, a point where I feel God just spoke to my mind, not an audible voice, but I feel he just said, are, are you done? Mm-hmm. Like, are you done trying to, you know, when are you going to come to me? You know, and there's a scripture in Psalms, one of my favorite verses says, it's better to trust God than to trust man. And uh, that's when I finally just said, all right, God, what do you want? And some of the stuff he had me do was just made no sense at all. Like uh, with my wife, he told me, you need to love her the way Christ loved the church and give himself for her sacrifice. And to me at the time, it made no sense because we were fighting just disrespect. I'm like, wait, she's disrespecting me. You want me to love her? You want me to give myself for her? I'm like, no, no way, you know, but I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I said, I'll do anything you said. So I'm just like, started just loving her, you know, being sacrificial, just not even saying anything, anything she did, did it bother me? I didn't say anything. I'm just, you know, pursuing her again as if like we first met, you know, and it, it worked, you know, and then I'm like, man, these scriptures really work. I got to start like applying these in all parts of my life. And so that was kind of the beginning of it. Wow. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think it's wonderful when anybody finds something that um, helps them turn their life around, you know, whether you call it God, the universe, focusing on your intuition, whatever it is. I'm all about people on a path of self-improvement. 
So Doug, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen? For me, it was seeing one of my friends get shot, you know, I mean, he lived, you know, thank God, but uh, it was, it was a pretty crazy scene. We, uh, we were hanging out actually uh, at my house and uh, it was, uh, there was a drive-by shooting and these dudes uh, came around the corner. So they, they, they came around the corner really fast. They turned the corner and before we even knew what was happening, I, you know, I heard gunshots and I looked over and I saw the, um, the sparks going straight up. And so by the time it got to me, I had a wall behind me. I saw that the, the sparks started pointing down. So I think they thought by the time they got to my area that, uh, that we were going to duck down and they were going to shoot us on the ground. And so, uh, I actually, instead of ducking during the drive-by, I actually jumped during the drive-by. <laughs> and so that had to be one of the craziest things I've ever seen is, you know, jumping over bullets in a drive-by rather than ducking. Um, unfortunately, my friend froze up, though. He just stood, went like that, stood up, and he got shot in the leg because they were shooting down. And so uh, to see, you know, half of his, uh, I mean, a little part, a little chunk of his leg, it didn't go inside, but it was on the outside, a little chunk of his leg taken off from a bullet. I got to say that was pretty one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say that's that's crazy that you're literally escaping bullets by jumping in the air. Yeah, Doug, I think you might win uh, craziest story. I don't I can't. <laughs> Can't compete with that one. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I would say that's also probably part of the reason that you didn't want to be involved in gangs anymore. I'm going to go out on a limb there and say that. Yeah, if I have to jump from bullets, I'd be like, yeah, I think there's probably something else out there for me. Yeah, yeah well, I'm I mean, glad you didn't get shot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> He's like, me too. <laughs> Um, good. Well, Doug, again, thank you so much for letting us um, hear your story and sharing your passion. It's beautiful to hear you speak from the heart. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time. All right.